I've turned this Bible to First Kings so many times now it just opens up there, you know, it's just like automatically going there. Good morning to everybody. It's good to see all that are present here. And, uh, you know, when I first looked out the window this morning, I thought, did it snow? <laughs> and then I realized, no, that's just a lot of frozen moisture on the trees and on the ground and so forth. But I also thought, you know, if this was during Elijah's time, that, that wouldn't be out there. Because <laughs> he said there's no dew, there's no rain. And so you wouldn't have this frozen moisture hanging on the trees and on the grass. So we're going to continue our study. Uh, and from 1 Kings, the 17th chapter concerning Elijah, uh, I'll go ahead and bring up this introduction here. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about uh, Elijah as that prophet, the times in which he lived, dark times politically, dark times spiritually. And then we talked about the man also, that he is a man with a nature like ours. Uh, but now that Elijah has delivered that message, to King Ahab, that there is not going to be any do or rain these years except at his work. Uh, he's now going to learn and experience what it's like serving God uh, in these difficult and trying, difficult and trying times. You know, Elijah is an individual, we talked about this, that he comes from a poor part of the country. And whenever he comes there, he doesn't really have any formal training and so forth. But he's going to just be a man with a message and he's going to deliver this message to Ahab. And then he's going to learn some things. So there's three points that I want to give consideration to. Following God is rewarding, but it's not easy. And then serve God even when we lose things that we enjoy. And then learn to trust God one day at a time. So I'll bring up that first slide. Follow God, following God is rewarding, but it is, it is not easy. Elijah's name means Jehovah is my God. The times we talked about last week in which he is now living and serving God, Ahab is on the throne, Jezebel is his wife. And they're not just trying to change the image of God. They're not just trying to change the worship of God. They're trying to eliminate any thoughts, consideration of Jehovah. And replace him with Baal and Baal worship. And now here comes Elijah. A man with a name who means Jehovah is my God. And he marches in before the king and he delivers this message. And then God is going to tell him it's best if you get out of town. Now, as we get into this study this morning. And we give consideration to these three points. I want you to think along these lines. It's kind of like a test is being given. But this test is for the prophet. And this test is for the nation. So let's suppose for a minute that you were going to sit down, take a test. And the professor, whoever it was, teacher told you on this particular test, there's only two questions, just two. And you have to answer these two questions. And the two questions are very simply this. Who is your God and will you serve him? Who is your God and will you serve him? And that's the test that's being put forth for the nation and for Elijah. But now as we give consideration to Elijah as he has delivered God's message, we will see him answer those two questions. And there will be times when he will struggle with that. But there's times when we struggle with that. 
But during that period of time, Elijah is also going to experience some things. He's going to learn some things as he answers those questions. So I'm going to read to you once again from 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. And I'm going to read verses 2 through 7 and think about this as, as we get into the lesson here. 1 Kings 17, beginning at verse 2 now. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's to Elijah. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened, after a while, that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Stop and think about that, brother. You told me to deliver this message. And I went, and I delivered that message. And now this brook's going to dry up. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the way it's going to go. So after he delivers that message, he's told, I want you to go and I want you to hide. Sometimes serving God requires separation. And Elijah's going to get separated from everybody. But when we think about the New Testament... Even the night when Jesus was betrayed, those last hours that he was with his apostles, he prayed a prayer. And he said, Lord, sanctify them. That means set apart. Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. So as they learn it, apply it, there's going to be a separation made. And so now Elijah has received this message. He's delivered it. And now... He is being separated as he is applying this in his own life. Now, I want to suggest something to you right here. And I believe it's a place in which we need to exercise a little caution. Because sometimes I think as Christians and in practicing our Christianity, we can become kind of comfortable and I'm going to make a point between being comfortable and seeking out comfort. And there's a distinct difference, and it's stated within the pages of God's Word, and especially in the New Testament as we as Christians give consideration to it. See, as Christians, sometimes we can get kind of comfortable in practicing certain things. We can come to class. We can come to worship. And we can kind of get into a pattern, and we do that. Uh, let me make this point before we go any further, though. i got to make the plug. We get comfortable coming to class, and we get comfortable coming to worship. Let me suggest something about class. We need to be here. <laughs> it's an opportunity to read, study God's Word. It's an opportunity to encourage brethren. It's an opportunity to edify. You know what edify means? It means to build up. To strengthen. And when we come together, 
It's a choice we make as a group to have Bible study, but it's an opportunity to encourage, to build up, and to learn. And we need to do that. And then when we come together for worship on the first day of the week, we need to do that. And it's an opportunity to encourage, build up, and to give praise, honor to the God we serve. But sometimes, we can get kind of comfortable in that. And we can kind of settle in there and think, that's my Christianity. (laughs) I just do the Bible class thing and I go to worship thing and I'm comfortable. Comfortable means being free from vexation, from stress, from tension. Now let me give you the definition of comfort. Comfort is giving consolation. And it means to strengthen, to encourage, to ease one's grief or another person's grief, and to help them in times of trouble. So comfort. So if you take a look over in 2 Corinthians first chapter, about verses 3 and 4, Apostle Paul talks about the fact that he had been, they had been comforted by God. God had comforted them. God had consoled them, encouraged them, strengthened them. And he said, we receive this comfort from the God of all mercies and the God of comfort, whereby we may be able to then comfort others. We received it from God, and therefore we can give that kind of strength, encouragement to others. Comfort. So we've been studying the book of Acts, right? In Acts 18 chapter, the Apostle Paul was in the city of Corinth. Did he run into any trouble there? Yeah, he did. He went in, run into trouble most every place he went, didn't he? <laughs> but God appeared to him and he said, don't fear. I have many people in this city. And Paul stayed there a year and a half, 18 months. God comforted him, encouraged him in the work that he was doing. So recently, we've been talking about Acts chapter 21 through 24 this morning. And Paul runs into trouble again, didn't he? (laughs) And God appears to him. And what's he say to him? You've testified of me in this city. You shall testify of me in Rome also. Comfort him. Encourage him. Strengthen him. So Paul... On another occasion, a little while later after this, when we get over to Acts 28, one of the letters he will write will be the church to Colossae. And at the close of that letter, he will talk about those who are with him and who have served him and have brought comfort to him. Strength, encouragement, comfort. Comfort. You, You received it, so you can give it to others. When he writes to the church at Thessalonica, remember the trouble he had? Back Acts 17. Trouble he had in Thessalonica. But there was a church there. And faithful brethren there. And so towards the close of that letter, what's he telling? He tells them about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Because he knows in this world, they are going to have troubles. But the focus is, this world is not all there is. And that the Lord is coming back. 
And then he says, comfort one another with these words. So it means to encourage, to strengthen. It does not mean comfortable. See, comfortable means free from vexation. (laughs) Free from... I like being comfortable, don't you? (laughs) I don't like stress. I don't like being vexed and stirred up. (laughs) And we as Christians can sometimes be like that too. I want to be comfortable. And what the New Testament teaches is, no, you need to seek comfort. Because if you live serving the Lord, like Elijah serving the Lord, you may encounter something that's uncomfortable. But you need to seek comfort. Keep going in what you're doing. So let me run this just quickly by you. Just within the last week or so, a little more than a week, there was somebody approached me and said, hey, what do you think about that law that Congress is considering? I said, what law are you talking about? Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? The Respect for Marriage Act. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Respect for Marriage Act. Sounds honorable, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you this. If you hold what the, or what the Bible teaches from Genesis, the second chapter, this respect for marriage act may bring you great vexation. We'll see how it unfolds in the future. It may cause trouble and stress. For those who teach what God's word says from Genesis 2 about marriage, even though they're calling it Respect for Marriage Act, <laughs> it may bring a great deal of vexation and stress. We have to be careful that we don't become comfortable and say, oh, well, I don't want to deal with that. And what the New Testament would say is, no, you need to deal with that and you need to seek comfort, encouragement, strength in doing that. Today even, it's not talked about that much anymore, but I'm going to bring it up (laughs) because it needs to be brought up. Ephesians 4 and verse 5 is still there. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Still there. That's one Lord. That's one faith. Not multiple. And one baptism. One common practice of that faith. That has been delivered by the Lord. To us. Jude 3. Contend earnestly for the faith. That has once for all time been delivered to the saints. That's what you contend for. You may need to seek a little comfort. In order to contend for But you know what Peter says about it? That his word doesn't change. The grass withers. The flower fades. But his word endures forever. Ephesians 4 and verse 5 is there forever. (laughs) And within the religious world, sometimes it's kind of like a potluck or a smorgasbord. Just kind of choose what you like. And that's not what 
God's Word says. So those are the things, some, that we might have to contend for. And it might bring vexation and cause people to be uncomfortable. But what the New Testament suggests in those situations, then seek comfort where you can seek comfort. Strength, encouragement from others, from the Lord. So James 5 tells us that Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. So as he's serving God, there's going to be times when he's going to be real uncomfortable. And the Lord knows he may need to be comforted and given encouragement. So Elijah will learn something about that. Here's one of the things he'll learn. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, to let patience have its perfect result, that you might be made complete, mature, lacking in nothing. These trials can actually help you. So consider it joy. So tie that together with Galatians 5. Remember the fruit of the Spirit? Now the fruit of the Spirit is this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. This is what the, the Spirit produces in you. So let me ask you this. Elijah delivers this message. God tells him to get out of town. Go hide by the brook Cherith. I'm going to send the ravens to bring you food in the morning and in the evenings and you can drink from that brook until it dries up. And you think about the fruit of the Spirit. What fruit is God trying to produce in a light? Long-suffering? Patience? So we need to ask ourselves the question. If God is trying to produce that fruit in us, which brook is He going to send you to? Patience? You want patience? Oftentimes we say we pray for patience and then we say we want it right now. You want patience? Which brook is he going to send you to? Will he send you to the brook of dealing with difficult people? (laughs) To learn patience. Will he send you to the brook of raising kids? (laughs) So you can learn patience. A difficult boss or difficult employees? What brook will he send you to? You pray for faith. Peter talks about that over in 2 Peter chapter 1. That we should grow in our, our faith. So you pray for faith. What brook's he going to send you to? Is he going to send you to the brook 
that runs through a hospital waiting room? Is he going to send you to the brook that runs right through a cemetery so that you can learn faith? Is he going to send you to the brook of poor health so that you look to him? Or financial struggles? Maybe that brook. So that you learn that and look to him. You want maturity? That you might be made complete? Maybe he'll send me to the brook of responsibility. (laughs) See, God will sacrifice my desire to be comfortable in order that he might teach me to seek comfort. There's a difference. So Elijah's finding out. Serving God, oh, it can be rewarding. But it ain't easy. So secondly, he's also going to have to learn that you need to serve God even when you lose things that you enjoy. Second Kings seven or first Kings seventeen, verse four and five this time. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Now think about Elijah by that brook. So he has the ravens that are bringing him bread and meat in the mornings and bread and meat in the evenings. And when he gets thirsty, just take a drink from the brook. It's right there. But you know, as the days go by, and this drought goes on for three years, and he's not going to stay there that entire time. Eventually, he's going to move. But as it doesn't rain, I don't live that far from the Missouri River. <laughs> Drive by there occasionally. But it don't rain a while. You know what happens to that river? It just, just it starts to shrink, doesn't it? So Elijah had to see this brook getting smaller. And he had to think about it. And eventually, verse 7 It dries up. But you know, while that brook was getting smaller, it never does say anything about Elijah going and looking for another brook. Well, I don't know if God's going to take care of me or not. (laughs) This one's getting smaller. Maybe I need to be looking someplace else. Matthew, the fourth chapter. Remember the temptation of Jesus? Matthew 4 and verse 1, He is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And after 40 days, verse 3 and 4, He hungered. I think I'd be hungry too. And who shows up? Satan. You know what Satan says? If you're really the Son of God, Command these stones to be turned into bread. You hungry? If you're the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. How did Jesus answer? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's an important principle that's taught there. And you know what it is? 
Jesus saying, if God wants, if the Father wants me to turn these stones into bread, He'll tell me. Until then, I'll wait. So Elijah, that brook's getting smaller and smaller. But he doesn't go looking. He waits. God's sitting there. And he knows when it's time for him to move, God will tell him. So what did he learn? Don't look at the provisions. Look at the provider. Elijah knew it wasn't those ravens who were providing for him. It was God. They were just a means of provisions. It wasn't that brook that supplied the water. God provides. It's just a provision. See, sometimes we look at the provisions instead of looking at the provider. Now, here's something we got to remember and don't ever forget. Whatever we have, we're just stewards. We're just stewards of what God has given us. And if he chooses, he can take it away to develop our character or to serve his purpose. Now think about that. Do you think this is helping to develop Elijah's character? I think so. Rely on the provider, not just the provision. And he's taken away the rain. Does he have a purpose? He's trying to turn a nation. So Elijah, if you lose your drink of water, don't ever forget what I'm doing. Can we see that? Sometimes we may lose things that we once enjoyed. But is he developing character? Or is it serving a greater purpose? So the drought is bringing discomfort to the good and the evil. And the question is this. Will it turn the evil to him? That's what God is intending. And will the good stay with him? Can you see that? Elijah, will you stay with him? So we'll go through difficult times. Count it all joy, my brother. And so there's times when we experience dry brooks. There's times when we experience brooks that are flowing full. You got any in your life? Maybe there's a time when you enjoy, I enjoy the full brook of good health. You ever think about that in the morning? You just wake up, you open your eyes, you go in the kitchen, get your coffee. <laughs> get ready for the day and off you go and it's all good. Good health enables you to do that. 
Some people don't enjoy that. But that's a full brook that currently I'm drinking from <laughs> and greatly appreciate. But sometimes that can be taken away. question is, will you stay with it? We can enjoy the full brook of good relationships. We can enjoy the full brook of, God, of a job and good finances. Then it might go away. We stay with it. Full brook, good friends, fellow Christians. It might go away. We stay with it. But sometimes we may lose things that we once enjoyed. Do we look to the provider or do we just focus on the provision? And when it's gone, then we make a choice. You know, it seems like some folks spend a lot of time by dry brooks. I don't know exactly why that is. But everyone has to decide. When the brook dries up, will you stay with it? That's the choice. Thirdly, we learn to trust God one day at a time. Elijah had to be content. Whatever the ravens brought in the morning and whatever they brought in the evening. And he had to be content drinking from that brook. In Matthew the 6th chapter and about verse 34 in the Sermon on the Mount once again. Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. You ever worry about tomorrow? (laughs) Way more than I'd like to admit. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because each day is sufficient for its own troubles. Just take care of today. (laughs) Focus on today. Focus on the provider. Focus on what he has provided for you. Focus on what lessons you might be learning, what his plan might be. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Just focus on today. So Elijah had to be content with what they brought. Let me ask you something. Do you have a bank account? Not saying it's wrong. But do you ever spend much time looking at it? And if it starts to diminish, do you get real nervous about it? We can, can't we? You know, in 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, it says those ravens came every morning and every evening. It never does say that Elijah said, hey, what if they don't come tomorrow? And it never does say, Elijah said, hey, could you bring me four or five days supply? And then I'll feel a lot more comfortable about that. (laughs) But isn't that kind of the way we want to live? I want to know there's plenty of supply there. And then I feel a lot more comfortable. And when I do that, what am I looking at? Am I looking at the provider? Or am I looking at the provisions? 
Can we see that? And Elijah has to see that brook. And he has to see it getting smaller and smaller. But he stays right there. There's another important point that we need to come to understand. We need to realize and make application of in our lives. And it's very simply this. When you have no one and nothing left and all you have is God, God's enough. Can we get there? Can we get there? Everything's gone. And all I've got is God. But I'm okay. That's enough. That's enough. That's where he'd like to get us to. Then we look to the provider. Still looking at provisions. Another thing is you read this story, you come to realize God didn't tell Elijah the next step till he finished the first step. I want you to go to Ahab. That's first. So he does that. And then the next thing he tells him, I need you to go hide by the brook Cherith. And he tells him what he's going to do for him there. But he also knows Elijah's going to learn something there. And after this, and we'll talk about this maybe next week, he's going to send him to Zarephath. And there'll be an encounter there with a widow. And she'll have a child. And there'll be some things that Elijah will learn there also. And then eventually, he's going to go to Mount Carmel. God knows this. But he's teaching Elijah lessons as he goes. God's got plans for Elijah. And he's developing Elijah. And he's got a plan to use Elijah to help turn this nation. But he's got to develop him in order to accomplish the work that he wants to accomplish through him. So while God's doing a work through him, he's doing a work in him. I need you to do this first, Elijah. And then from there, I need you to go here, Elijah. And you'll learn some things there. And then from there, I'll send you someplace else. And as we've mentioned previously, after he goes to the brook chair, the next place he's going to go is Zarephath. Right in the heart of Sidon. That's where Jezebel's from. <laughs> I'm going to send you to enemy territory. Let me ask you this question. When you first became a Christian, were you ready to march into enemy territory? Oh yeah, I thought I was. <laughs> and then do you find out, mm, maybe I wasn't ready. <laughs> but God knows. And after you've been a Christian for a while, do you think, I think I could handle that now? I can tell you this. A little personal confession. 
when I first became a Christian, one of the places the Lord would not have wanted to have sent me was to a local bar. Don't go there, Larry. You can't handle that. Could I go there now? Yeah. Good back then. God knows. Go to Cherith. <laughs> then I'll send you to Sarapat. So Elijah's learning and he's experiencing trusting, serving God. And he's been separated. But he's learning serving the Lord is rewarding, but it's not easy. And he's learning that we may lose things that we once enjoyed. And he's learning to trust the Lord one day at a time. And he's on his way to learning that when you have no one and nothing and all you have left is God, God is enough. Be amazed what God can accomplish with an individual that finally learns that. So God has plans for Elijah. And in due time, he will stand on top of Mount Carmel and he'll call down fire from heaven all in an effort to turn this nation away from Baal and back to him and as we've said before the things we see in the Old Testament we just see them repeated again over and over in the New Testament don't we so when Paul wrote to the church at Philippi Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, this is what he said. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God wants to do a work through us, but at the same time he does a work in us. So it's a test. There's two questions. Who's your God? Will you serve? Whatever the circumstance, whatever the situation comes. That's the test. So that's 1 Kings 17 for now. We'll talk about Zarephath next week. I'm going to extend the invitation to any and all that are here. If you're not a child of God and you desire to do that, and Jesus said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, we encourage you to do that. And if you need to come back to him, make your life right. If we can help in any way, you let us know. While together we stand and while we sing.